So, um, like Alex said, my name is Matt Loveland. I am, I don't know, yeah, it has become a tradition for me to be here at around Christmas time, and I'm okay with it, because Christmas time is so fun, although, um, you know, last night we had weird, did everybody get storms here? Like, crazy wind and rain, and oh, I thought my house was going to blow down last night. I have an old house, and I was, we just moved to New Jersey a few months ago, so I'm, I was really nervous. My hundred plus year old house is going to go, go with the wind yesterday. But um, it's so I think it was a last night. So I know some of you guys know me. Uh, we moved out here about three years ago. My wife got a job here in Philly, and um, yeah, we made the trip from St. Louis to here, and along the way met Alex and Darby and. Um, yeah, so now I have a tradition of coming here every Christmas and sometimes other random times, but um, thanks for having me. Um, so we're going through the book of Matthew, and we are learning who Jesus actually was and what his central message and mission were. Um, and this week we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, but before I get there, um, I kind of want to give you a little bit of an, uh, a quick rundown of what I'm going to talk about today, and then we'll jump into it. Um, I want to do a little bit of a comparison between the two types of kings uh, that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna meet um, in a in a different way. Um, the, we're gonna meet King Herod, who was the um, basically he was a puppet king. Basically, Rome said, "Hey, you can be here in Israel, and you can be a king." Um, he wasn't really a king; he was just doing what Rome told him. So, um, anyways, we have that king, and then we're gonna talk about King Jesus and the difference. And I want to kind of highlight the differences between the two. Um, so we'll go ahead and read from Matthew chapter 2. Um, and it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw, him, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Dis disturbed? Wow, I can't talk. Disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the, peeps, the chief, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will, shepherd, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So we see that um, King Herod heard some disturbing news. And he was nervous because somebody was going to claim his throne, his rightful throne, right? The thing that he earned so much. And basically he's being told what, the, yeah, he's, he's that kind of guy, okay? So I want to kind of give you guys a little bit of a... Uh, short, not really much of a history, but just kind of a description of King Herod. Um, he's a typical king. Um, he's arrogant, paranoid, 
and he's exploiting power for his own purposes and will do anything to remain in power, anything, including, as we'll see, uh, we won't uh, cover the verses, but uh, directly after these verses in chapter 2, basically Herod realized that the Magi had said, (laughs) peace, buddy, we're not coming to talk to you because you're a nut job. Uh, So they left, and he got upset, and he had all the babies under the age of two killed, boys specifically. So yeah, willing to do anything to maintain that power, um, which is kind of disturbing, really, right, when you think about what people will go to to maintain the power that they think they deserve or that they've earned. Um, but what we learn about, and, and I wasn't connected with me in that first song when it talked about um, humble Jesus born in a manger, like, that idea was like, oh yeah, that's obviously. So that ties in perfectly to the description of what King Jesus is actually like. So we've got King Herod, we've got the crazy, paranoid, arrogant, killing babies to protect his throne type of king. And then you've got King Jesus, who willingly gives up power to be a servant of all, even dying on our behalf. And in one of my favorite, um, it's kind of a poem really, but in the book of Philippians chapter 2, um, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he's talking about that our attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, but I think it kind of shows us exactly who Jesus really is. And in verses 6 through 11, it says, Who, in being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, something when I was thinking about what's the difference between the two kings, it kind of made me realize, like, Um, This little statement that who we worship or put our hope in will determine our path So who are we who do we worship or who do we put our hope in that's going to kind of determine the path that we're going to eventually take Um, and Something that I realize is that it's pretty obvious but Jesus and the little alligator mouth Did anybody ever get confused by the alligator mouth in math class like which one's greater which one's less because it it always flip-flopped I'm like I don't I don't know, my kids, when my son, when he does his math homework and he's got greater, I'm like, which one? I, anyways, but in this case, Jesus is greater than, the alligator mouth is eating the bigger one, right? That's kind of how I remember it. Is greater than Herod and all the other kings that would come along after him. The thing about Jesus and the thing about the other kings is that Jesus is eternal. The other kings, they eventually die. And they don't, you know, they're, they're a part of history. That's about as much as they have going for them. Um... I think the the biggest determining factor about when we look at Jesus versus the other king is that Jesus' mission wasn't to gain all of the power, right? Jesus didn't come here to gain all the power. That wasn't his goal. In fact, in uh, the book of Matthew and and other places, uh, Jesus is tempted in the desert by, by the devil, and one of the things that he is tempted with is power. I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, nah, I'm good, man. I don't worship God and God alone. That's it. That's all I need to worry about. Because he knew, he knew that the path that he was going to lead was the, the path that 
the example he wanted for us, okay? Not only was it going to be the, the forgiveness of sin, but it was also going to be the, the path for us to take to give us full life that, that he had, cre- had created us to have. So Jesus didn't take that power, didn't take that temptation, but instead he gave his power away so that others could live, right? He was obedient to death on a cross. Because he gave up this power during his time on earth, he was obedient to what God was asking, what the Father was asking his path to be like. He was given the power that the kings of this earth ultimately desire, right? To be the one true king. Ultimately, when you're king, and this isn't true necessarily everybody's greatest goal, but on some level I think it is, that they want to be, they want to be the, top, the, top, the top guy, right? Or the top gal, depending on queen, whatever. Um, but they want to be the top person. They want to be the one that's in charge of everything, right? So Jesus is giving us the best way to live. Now, I know that there's a lot of times we put a lot of emphasis on the forgiveness of sins, and that's a big thing. That's very, very important. But also, the life that we live in that progress of knowing that we are forgiven, right? There's nothing that we can do that's going to change that. Nothing. It's set. Jesus did it. But that also means that we got to live our lives a little differently differently right than what we would expect everybody else would want us to live we don't want to put our hope in kings and ultimately follow the path that they are following so jesus is giving us the best way to live and um they inevitably when we when we put our hope in kings or rulers or political leaders or whatever we inevitably go down the path that is like theirs using our power for our own benefit crushing anyone who gets in our way Right? That's what they do, so we're naturally going to kind of go that direction. Jesus wasn't going to use political force to get what he wanted. He was going to use sacrificial love through dying on the cross. And I know that Alex mentioned this a couple weeks ago, that uh, you know, whenever, whoever, if Jesus agrees with all your political views, most likely you're worshiping your political party and not Jesus. And I think that also, Jesus wasn't using his agenda to benefit himself. He was using his agenda agenda, if you can call it that, to benefit others, to benefit, really, humanity as a whole, creation as a whole. Jesus wasn't going to use culture wars, or he wasn't going to be the guy riding in on the donkey to conquer Rome like the, the Jewish people had expected of their Messiah. They were expecting a, a, a political military leader, and they got some guy that <laughs> strolls in on a donkey, well, no, the, the, a baby donkey, basically, into... Jerusalem to show like, hey, I'm not about taking over this with force. It's going to be sacrificial love. That's the way. So we won't find the power of God by aligning ourselves with political leaders. That's not where the true power lies. Um, it seems like every time I'm here, my, my, my home dog, homeboy, Rich Velotis, who's a pastor in the Brooklyn, or in Queens, and he always has something that I'm like, dang it, has he got to do that to me? Giving me something else to use. So um, in his gospel, uh, this is from Rich Velotis. This was actually several weeks ago, and I was like, ah, oh, it's perfect. I'm stealing this. Um, but in his gospel, Luke lists all the political and religious leaders in power and then notes how the word of God bypassed them and came to John in the wilderness. The locus of God's presence and activity is not found in the corridors of great power. And uh, There's a verses there. It talked about how he... In, in the book of Luke, he lists all the political leaders of that time, but then the power of God eventually, and the, the word of God comes to John the Baptist in the desert, some weird guy 
eating locusts and honey and preaching repentance for the kingdom of God is near, right? So I thought that that was really interesting because when we fight culture wars, we're doing it Herod's way. We're doing it the king's way, right? That's, that's what they do. That's their way of controlling other people. When we fight culture wars, we are essentially forcing people to adopt our worldviews and beliefs. It's not effective, right? How many of you guys like to be told what to, what to do, what to believe? I don't. In fact, I reject it. And sometimes, sometimes I go along to get along because I just don't feel like fighting. But in general, I don't want to be told what to believe, what to do, blah, 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 all that stuff. Because it's not effective. Loving people regardless of their beliefs about religion, politics, whatever, their understanding of that is the way to invite them on the path that Jesus lays out, not through coercion or political force. I think we see a lot of that here, and not just in America, but I think all over the world, a lot of times we, we fight these little battles that really ultimately don't mean anything, and it's not a way for us to actually love the people that we're around. And that's one of the things, like, I, you know, on social media, you see it a lot because there's a lot of keyboard warriors, and they're real tough, and they're, but it makes us mean, right? And, and I don't think that as Christians that should be our goal, is to belittle somebody because they're a little different than us or their lives are different or whatever. Um, and ultimately, that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. He's not asking us to change, change them. He's asking us to love them because ultimately, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that changes their hearts, not us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus and the life he modeled for us, our lives begin to look like his more and more. Now, this is a journey. This is not going to happen overnight. Trust me, I've been on this journey for I don't know how long. And it's a struggle daily to not let my opinions get in the way of how I'm loving people. It's really easy. I have my own. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, right? We all have opinions, and that's okay. But if we can't express ourselves in a way that's loving, what's the point? Nothing good's going to come from that. When we allow ourselves to be guided by the Holy Spirit to become more Christ-like, our little world around us gets better. You know, our little sphere of influence, I think, is one of the terms that gets thrown around a lot. But when our little world gets better, how we treat our neighbor, um, whether that be an actual neighbor, whether that be our family members, um, especially that weird uncle that has those weird things that he says at, how, at Christmas time, you know, you're like, don't talk to that guy. Maybe it's not even an uncle. Maybe it's your parents. I know sometimes... That could be that could be scary uh, scary topic right there, but when we allow ourselves to be guided by the Spirit to be more Christ-like, our little world gets better, which will ultimately only benefit the world surrounding that. Right? Whenever you're positively impacting somebody that's close to you, maybe they have a different sphere of influence that they can influence the people that they work with or whoever. You know, it, it's it's kind of a, a a chain reaction effect. Like we heard last week, the Christian life lived following Jesus bears the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. Um, and I had to write these down because I didn't want to miss one. But uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all things that show that we're trying our best. Like, it's going to look different. We're going to have bad days. It's going to happen. It's okay. It's not the end of the world, I promise, because I have bad days sometimes more than I'd like. But ultimately, if our lives are moving towards that direction of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I mean, that's ultimately what we're looking for. And that's just going to show you that 
there's something inside of you that's that's working, right? The Holy Spirit is working on you. You're getting a, hopefully a little bit better every day, and that's ultimately the goal. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, if we choose the path of power of the powerful, our world suffers, and this is the big world. If we choose, if we all were to choose the path of the powerful, our world will suffer. If we choose the path of Jesus, the truly powerful path, the world heals. So when we exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, only good things come from that, right? It's, it's, it's difficult, but it's the path that, that Jesus showed us in his life. That's the way that he lived his life with those, with those aspects. Kind of want to kind of wrap up here a little bit, and I want to remind us that who we worship and put our hope in will determine our path. Do we want to be more like Jesus, or do we want to be like the powerful who use their power for personal gain? Do we want to look out for others, serve others, or do we only want to focus on ourselves and our needs? Our needs are important, right? We all need to eat. We all need to be, have a place to live. We all need those things. But if we're putting our needs, even, even if it mean, means sacrificing a little bit of something for somebody else, what's the point? Like, what are we doing? If we're, if we're not living our lives in a way that will benefit others, we're not truly living life, right? And in, in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And one of the ways that he does that is by living the life that he modeled for us. You know, we're not all going to die on a cross, right? Hopefully. Golly, what a terrible world that would be, right? Um, but I think that sometimes we do have to die to ourselves daily. We have to constantly say, okay, what is Jesus asking me today? Not what do I want. What is Jesus asking me of, of me today? Christmas time is one of those great times, a great reminder. You know, we, we look at baby Jesus in the manger, um, and we think about that God went through those experiences just like, you know, in the form of Jesus, just like we're going through. He experienced human life. And I think that that's pretty amazing. The fact that he humbled himself so much, like we got, I don't even try to explain the Trinity because it's confusing to me, but you've got, you've got Jesus in the form of God the Son, you know, as one of the forms of the Trinity, who comes to earth in a baby's body, essentially, through a miraculous thing in, you know, with Mary delivering an actual baby that's made by the Holy Spirit and living life, learning. I think we learned about this last week, learning like a, ba- like a typical baby would. You know, we've got a couple of little ones here today. Jesus was just like them. Jesus grew to be, I mean, he didn't, maybe some of us are older than 30, me. I, he, I'm living longer than Jesus lived on a, as a human, which is wild to think. Um, but he experienced life just like we do. He experienced all the temptations that we do. You know, even, you know, I mentioned one of them earlier. Um, you know, and, and beyond even those three that were mentioned in, the, in his battle in the wilderness with the devil. We all experience life. We all have things coming after us, and Jesus modeled the way that we experience those things and how we should respond when things come our way, right? Um, and I, I don't know why, I would, why we would want to follow the powerful when we know, I think deepest, at the deepest core of ourselves, we know that the best way to live is the way that Jesus is asking us to live. And um, I'm thankful for that because, you know, there are times that I can be discouraged by what I see 
you know, in the world with, you know, how we've been responding to different aspects. And, you know, we've got, gosh, when Alex said these last two years have been difficult, I'm like, has it really been almost two years? Holy cow. It's wild, like, you know, what we've all experienced these last couple of years. And, um, you know, we're here, thankfully, you know, that um, it's crazy. But, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of crazy things happening. But I think that when we model this, um, this way of Jesus, it makes it more appealing to others. Um, you know, there's a, in, at the end of Matthew, the book of Matthew, Jesus talks about the, there's the Great Commission, you know, making disciples of everyone, basically, that we would come across. And I think making disciples comes from not telling people, like, hey, you have to do this, but come along. Come along with me. Let's, let's do this together. We're not in this alone. We're all going to experience human trials. We're here. Let's do this all together. Um, so I think my challenge would be, um, yeah, who are we worshiping? Are we going after a power that is only going to ultimately shortchange us in the end? It's not going to give us anything that's of real benefit, or are we going to follow the power that God gives us only? You know, and We're going to struggle. We're going to go back and forth, but I think ultimately our goal is, can we look a little bit more like Jesus every day and the life that he had modeled for us? And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, sorry, it's, it's been so long since I've done this that I forget how to effectively transition out of a message. So, uh, anyway, let me pray really fast, and then um, whatever's next up, um, we could go on to that. Uh, God, thank you so much for this time that we can be together. Um, hopefully the words that I said didn't get in your way. Um, hopefully the words, uh, there was something that sparked something in all of us. I know preparing for this message, there was definitely some challenging things that were popping in into to my heart and mind, and I pray that we'd all be challenged by trying to live our lives more like you, that we would allow you to help us to do that, as we can't do this on our own. We have to have the help that only you can provide through your Holy Spirit, and um, we're thankful for the love that you had for us, that you went through all the things that we go through. You experience loss. You experience joy. You experience all the human emotions that we have. And we're thankful for the, the example that you set. And I pray that uh, we would all be a little bit different when we leave here and that we could begin to move forward and continue on this journey of trying to follow you um, with your guidance and with your help. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the example that you set. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.